ready to explore the extraordinary world of tech. Welcome to the XTech Podcast, where we connect you with the sharpest minds and leading voices in the global tech community. Join us as we cut through the complexity to give you a clear picture of the ideas, innovations, and insight that are shaping our future. Hello, and welcome to the X Tech Podcast by Fox Agency. I'm your host, Debbie Forster, MBE. I'm the CEO at the Tech Talent Charter and an advocate and campaigner for diversity, inclusion, and innovation in the tech industry. I'm delighted to be working with Fox Agency as the host of the X Tech Podcast and as a curator for the X Tech community. Today, I'm really delighted to be joined by Chris Raid. Chris is the Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Gamma. Welcome, Chris. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Okay, so Chris, you know, the audience and I really like to get to know you as a real-life human before we dive into what you do. And when we think about the tech industry, some people are born with that laptop in hand. Others, like me, find their twists and turns and then find themselves surprisingly in tech. What about you? How did you get in? Um, how did I get into it? So uh, probably a little bit of both, actually. Um, I was the kid who used to take stereos apart uh, to find out what was inside them. Uh, at that stage, didn't really understand what any of the bits and pieces inside them were, but was driven by that curiosity. Um, at school, I was good at all the sciences and maths. So I was kind of moving towards that that pace. And I ended up doing physics at university, but I, I kind of got the sense there that an academic career wasn't going to be for me. So I ended up going into uh, consulting um, and then ended up gravitating totally by accident, actually, towards the software business as my first job out of consulting. Um, it wasn't to do with coding. I'd done a bit of coding at university and I was, I was frankly awful at it. Uh, so I've got nothing but respect for people who write code, uh, but I just can't do it. And since then, I've been in the B2B tech space. So for a, a frighteningly long period of time now, I've, I've been in, in and around product marketing for technology businesses. So more, you know, I think like me, the, the fascination is that curiosity of the kids. So what tech does rather than the tech itself. Okay, cool. Super. Totally. I, the, the intersection between tech and the real world, I think, is where, where the magic happens. Fantastic. Okay. Well, once you find yourself in here, you're now at Gamma. Now, not everyone has heard from about Gamma. Can you tell me what Gamma does? Sure. Uh, Gamma is one of those companies who powers a lot of things behind the scenes that no one ever sees. Uh, so we are a communications business. Uh, we're predominantly based out of the well, we are based out of the UK. We predominantly serve the UK market, but we're growing businesses in in a few European countries too. And we uh, make uh, communications happen. Um, so the wires behind the wall, working with some of our partners, are, are part of us. Uh, the wireless signals going to routers, but go on mobile phones, and then uh, sort of higher tech pieces of kit like what are called SIP trunks to enabling connections into the telephone network and then communications applications over the top of it. So we we make those conversations happen. Uh, we, we are, as I say, predominantly a B2B provider. So we sell to businesses um, and help them with their communication needs. And if you think about um, the kind of challenge that those businesses face today, you know, we, we are sort of trying to keep them uh, keep up with our kids so who use however many different types of communication methods in any given day, every given hour. Um, small businesses in the UK, they, they're sort of targeting those people as customers. And so we, we're trying desperately to help them keep up 
to date and keep pace with us as consumers and make sure they've got the tools they need to to sort of keep power in the UK economy. And I, you know, because it's changed so much. When I was very young, we would never put communications in with technology, and now they're just ubiquitous, isn't it? And there's been so much change to get through. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you look. Um, so I, you know, when you start work and you've got that sort of uh, cream or beige handset on your desk. Uh, and it rings and you can do things like find people in your office and the directory and all those kind of things. You know, they're, they're all still real and there, uh, but they were very much driven by that piece of physical hardware. And now I, I can't remember the last time I had a phone on my desk. You know, I, we're talking over a laptop hundreds of miles apart, but as though we're sat opposite the desk, uh, across the desk from each other. And that actually extrapolates globally now, doesn't it? You can sit and have a call with someone in San Francisco, Singapore, Sydney, um, <clears throat> all at the same time. And you know, that, that, me- that medium sort of totally transcends location. So you've, we've gone through that uh, technology-enabled shift uh, that really got accelerated through COVID as well, with people having to sort of retrench back to their, um, their sort of locality, but still maintaining that connection in a global economy. It's it's sort of totally, um, even just as a user, totally different, a total different sort of um, landscape that you operate in. And then obviously in Gamma's world, we've been powering and enabling and responding to those changes and making sure the technology is being keeping pace um, or getting ahead of that pace, ideally, to make sure that those those things can happen. Because you know, getting applications onto people's computers is one thing. Getting people using them is another. Keeping them up to date, keeping them moving, keeping them progressing. It's, it's not trivial, as, as anyone sort of listens to this one will know, uh, let alone trying to understand the sort of total spread of um, feeling that people have about the applications that they use, the things that they like and don't like, the changes that they react violently to. You know, got all those different bits and pieces going on around it. But our demands, either as, as professionals, workers, or as consumers, just keep going up and up and up and up. Uh, and so it's one of those things that only by moving to be a technology business really can communications providers get uh, the pace and the control to be able to keep up going, going with those ways? Otherwise, you know, traditional telco timescales just don't work anymore. No, we just don't tolerate it. I mean, it, it, COVID impacted us in so many ways. And as you say, we all had to go online, whatever we'd done prior to that. As we are back in whatever, I don't know if I'd call it normal, it's new, um, have have people have you seen people's expectations change in terms of communications and technology oh dramatically um i mean i, I you, your children are the perfect example of this if the wi-fi so much as hiccups all hell breaks loose uh and it, it's only the fact that we're grown-ups and try to moderate that that we have the same if teams drops or any other insert your communication provider of preference here um you know if there's a slightest glitch you know the world ends, doesn't it? Oh, it's not working. What's happening? And so that's as a as a as a sort of in the professional world, you've got that that you're just totally intolerant of anything other than high quality, high availability, high speed connections. So if you think about what used to even be a standard broadband connection five, ten, fifteen years ago, compared to now, it means totally changed, dramatically changed in terms of, of the ability of what you can do. And that's driven by our use of more and more data in, in, in business and tools. Uh, so we, we're demanding more of that. But it's also the bleed across from consumers. You know, everything is on demand now, isn't it? Videos, computer games, sport, movies, all those things. You don't buy a DVD. 
funny enough, we cleaned out the one of the cupboards downstairs, found a box full of DVDs. Like, what do you do with those? You know, why have you got those anymore? You don't need them. Um, so we we as consumers are then driving that and reinforcing it. And as I said, you know, you use WhatsApp, email, Facebook Messenger, TikTok, any number of communication mechanisms. And, and it's it's hard for businesses then to keep track of those and to make sure that they're using the right media to communicate with their customers. And obviously it changes depending on who their customers are and what business they're in. But it all comes back to then, in our world, Gamma's world, a small business can't afford a social media expert and an email tool and, 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 and. They've got to have a, t- a tool or a capability to let them draw all those things together, make them consumable and familiar to us as workers. Otherwise, you get what I think people refer to in COVID, you know, they get sort of video overload and you spend so long on video calls that you just can't function anymore. Then you explode that over different communication mechanisms and you know, our, our brains are just not wired to cope with that. So you've got a role as a technology provider to try and do the right thing. So as a as a user, myself or yourself on the end of a, a communication service, you're not just totally befuddled and bemused and overwhelmed by the flow of information. You're giving a way to interact with it and curate it in a way which is sympathetic to what you're trying to do. And as a business, obviously, a majority of that is still telephone calls. Um to a small business particularly, still telephone calls, but they still need it to be handled and managed sort of with and for them. So the phone isn't permanently ringing. And if they're on the phone to someone, it isn't just an engaged tone, it's a voicemail. Or maybe it routes to their business partner or to another phone in the garage. Managing those types of things whilst, you know, you, you, as, a, as again, as someone who moved into communications from software, you kind of go, well, it just happens. And obviously nothing just happens there's a lot of thought and intensity of, uh, of effort and concentration behind the scenes to make that happen. And again, abstracting it to the point where people don't notice it is is critical. And all COVID did was put that on steroids, make it go faster, make it better, and almost um, you know, sort of totally, to- totally to- tore up the rule book of what's the natural pace of progression and just made us as a business have to respond and as consumers and workers have to react to those and, and adopt to, like you say, what is normal? Um, you know, we sort of come back to you, everyone will work at home a little bit. Everyone will work in the office a little bit and everyone will work everywhere in between a little bit. So you think about the array of tools that are needed for that, mobile communications, devices that can talk, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all those kind of things, let alone the, the applications that sit on them incredibly demanding sort of environment to be in, I think. And I, I think it's really important for any of us who are in tech to remember something that you said, I think, which is key, which is our customers, our clients, and our colleagues are consumers first, and they bring those consumer expectations to the office, to the workplace, to what we want from, from those who supply us. And the goal, isn't it, is that making things seamless and making the tech invisible. I think that's really the the holy grail of it all is to get your UX, get your user knowledge so much that it becomes invisible. And AI can do a lot of that, can't it? You know, I've, there's a lot of bashing on about what's wrong within AI, but I, I know you are quite passionate about how AI can help communications. Yeah, one of the things that we sort of have a stated objective of at Gamma is to make communications more human. 
Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're always talking to a human or interacting with a human, but it means you get the same outcome that you think you'll get if you talk to a, the human who's going to help you out the most. And so um, it's it's really, really important, I think. that So, and that will apply in so many different ways. Yeah, we one of one of my team actually sort of coined the frames. You've got AI and you've got IA, so artificial intelligence uh, or intelligent automation, and those two I think cross over uh, quite a lot as you start to think about how do you make as efficient and automatic and seamless as possible that communications experience. You know, we've all sat on hold at a call center for an hour. Not the best experience in the world. Often in the past was the only way you got through. Because you had to wait for all the other humans so you could speak to the human who could solve your problem. You know, the first step in that is that intelligent automation. If you want to get a call back, press one. We'll call you back as soon as the agency. You can put the phone down, go about your day, phone rings you back. Uh, you know, you follow that up. I'm, I'm ringing in to speak to the next person I need to speak to, to follow up on a query. Okay, I'd like to speak to the person I spoke to before. Again, intelligent automation can take you down that route. There's probably another, there's, I think there's two flavors of AI as well. You've got artificial intelligence, you've got almost intelligent. Um, so, you know, you kind of go through that, that gradation in my mind, intelligent automation, almost intelligent and genuine artificial intelligence. And, and I am not sure we quite see that third phase yet coming to, to fruition. But we've got all sorts of clever things in there, be it on the phone, tell me your order number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, Mr. Wade, your order is here. I haven't had to speak to a human. I've got a great outcome. I haven't cost the business any money. I haven't cost myself any time. How's that? Where's that between intelligent automation and almost intelligent? You're somewhere across that gap, aren't you? AI, true AI, who knows where that takes us? You know, it's the, it's the, it's the story, a Google story, I think, where uh, in a meeting talking about what's the optimal search time, what's the best search time that Google search engine could give you back to which the engineering response was obviously zero. We, we tell you just as soon as you put the answer in. And I think it was one of the founders sort of lifted his head up and said, why? Why does it have to be zero? Why can't we know before you search what you want? And I don't think we're quite there either, although the, the sort of uh, prescience of Facebook advertising in your feed might tell you that we are. We've, we've got all those things to go, particularly when it comes to delivering that mainstream for businesses. Um yeah, whole whole spread of things that can make our life as consumers and businesses' life easier and better. Are we out of intelligent automation? No, we're still exploiting that. We are almost intelligent and we will get to true artificial intelligence in those. Who knows when and what it means? And, and I think, and who knows what it means is interesting. I, I, when I was looking and reading about Gamma, I was intrigued to see that you talked about comms with a conscience. What does yep. that mean? Yeah. So that's sort of one of our sort of higher level um, statements of what we want to be. Um, and, and I think it you know, breaks down into two parts, doesn't it? Obviously, comms is what we do. We've, we've talked about that, the, the conversation we facilitate, the outcome we want to give to our customers. The conscience piece, I think, is rooted in why do we want to think about ourselves different and how would we want people to think about us? We want to do communications. We want to do it the right way. And that, that can mean all sorts of different things. And, you know, we've obviously got, oh, as, as, a, as a, a planet, we have this ESG agenda. We have a requirement to be the best we can be for uh, businesses, in our case, uh, people on the planet. 
uh, again, statements we make as in our in our sort of vision and, and mission statements. But it also boils down to the decisions you make. So who do you work with? How do you price a, an offer? Uh, who do you hire? Um, what is it that embeds uh, what a gamma person is? And we're clear on what that looks like too. So we try and put that conscience piece sort of through our decision-making process. So we want to do communications. We want to do it in the right way. We want to make a positive impact at every level then, so the planet. So we've got a very strong environmental agenda. Uh, I always get carbon neutral and carbon net zero mixed up. <laughs> but we, yeah, we have a clear plan to get to that with the science-based target initiative. We, uh, you know, we want to optimize power and data center usage and all those kind of things. But then you come down through the stack of, of other things. We want to be a well-run company. We want to make a positive contribution to the communities that we operate in. We want to work with our partners to support their business. And we did a lot of stuff, we talked about COVID before, in terms of in that sort of massive uncertainty shock. Um, you know, we, we did a lot of things like extending payment terms and commercial support for the people that we work with to make sure that, you know, you're, you're trying to leave behind that best impression. And, and I, it's one of the things that we think makes us different in terms of um, the communications industry and businesses, uh, that commitment to doing that. And when you've got the choices every business has to sort of think about how are you, what are you? I think that's clear, communications technology. How are you? And, and, and why are you? And, and I think those are higher level statements that everyone perhaps disregards a little bit, but we, we've decided we're going to take that on. And be very clear about that that conscience element. And I and I think that is something that is exciting, not just within tech but within business. Is as consumers are getting smarter, we're looking for businesses that don't just do good work, but who are good businesses. And that that focus on beyond the acronyms of ESG, but really trying to look at those human-centric decisions at all levels. And what I love seeing across the market is that is starting to be not just the right thing to do, but the smart thing to do. Because people, consumers and, and businesses are beginning to make their choices based on not just the product, not just the price point, but actually, what is the morality? What is the impact behind that? So it's, it's a powerful way to move forward. And then, so times are hard for everyone. And in business, you're always looking at the next mountain, the next thing. So what would you say is your biggest challenge at the moment? Biggest challenge? Um, I think it, it's probably around this, this sort of how does uncertainty impact business in, in general. So you've obviously, as we sort of said there, you've got, you know, levels of uncertainty every, all the way up and down from sort of global global environmental challenge right the way down to, you know, local conditions of uh, inflation, talent, uh, technology trends, all those kind of things. I think it's balancing all of those and being clear. How do you respond to each of them in a, in a coherent way? So, yeah. Talent has been one of those things. COVID again drove the great resignation. Before it, there was the war on talent or the war for talent, whether whichever one side. Sometimes felt like on talent, but it technically should be yeah, for totally. talent. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, like you just said about people, um, almost questioning now more deeply why something is happening and, and how is it going to happen. You've got those as a business, so we're trying to bring people in. We're trying to make positive contributions. We're trying to make great technology. We're trying to enable good communication outcomes. 
but it's against a backdrop of people making harder choices. Do, is that an investment I want to make at one level? Is that a company I want to deal business with? Is it, I, you know, is it a company I want to go and work for? Um, do I want to work five days a week? Do I want four days a week? You've got all these which just throw uncertainty into the mix. And, and obviously, they're quite interrelated as well with the environmental agenda, you know, particularly yeah, young people coming into the workforce today, their experience of their working life and what binds a company together is very different. So I, I think as an organization and frankly as a, a middle-aged person kind of sitting as you go through all this, you go, how do we make sure that our, our prejudices that are formed in one paradigm aren't constraining what we do going forward? And I, I, I think it is about that. I, I, you know, Technology can solve any problem. And I think that's one of the things people get frustrated about with, say, the environment is, yeah, it's a bit like the, the, the million dollar man. We have the technology. We're just not we're just not choosing to do the right things with it. So for us, it's it's making sure we're making the choices today as a business, and we're sufficiently balanced in our view of you know we obviously got shareholders. We've got to keep a good business going for them for today, but also for tomorrow. Customers, partners, employees across all those different communities, you've got to balance where all these different levels are. Striking the right balance, I think, going forward would be quite different to how it was struck in the past. And I think businesses, some will struggle, I think, with that of, like you said before, over-rotating on what the commercial things rather than some of the environmental or societal things. I think balancing and blending those pieces together will be hard. I really, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think as we move on, we're now actually, because, you know, we, we, operated and felt the hardest thing for business was the height of COVID and the lockdown. And it's not. And even that first new normal, whatever that was, was not. And I, I agree with you. I think the businesses who are starting to thrive are the ones who are realizing the old world is gone. And the ones who are willing not to panic as times are harder to go back to those old paradigms. That's, that's I think, and you, you can see it. You can see some of the companies trying to crack the whip and back to the, they're, they're trying to retreat back into what may feel like comforting old ways of doing things. But I, I think you're right. And I think it's almost time to also stop. I've used the term, you know, I, I run something called the tech talent charter. We have to remember talent are people and, and the old rules are, are gone. And the companies who are willing to go into that rather scary space to redefine how we work with our workforce, to redefine how we see our client base, our customers, our users, and to ask those difficult questions and do that balancing act in a different way. It is a time for bravery, but I think we're going to see, and there's already studies starting to come through, those companies who are continuing to lean into these changes to look for more diverse workforce, to really focus on culture, will come out of these hard times stronger and faster and more effective and leaner. All right, well, let's let's then think. I like to, to hear, because when we're in tech, we don't just focus on what's on the desk in front of us. So key questions I always want to ask is, for you, Chris, is there anything about tech at the moment that is really either frustrating, frightening you, worrying you? What's what's the dark side of tech for you right now? Uh, actually, well, it's twofold, I think, a little bit. One is, um, and obviously some of this is driven by yeah, the events in, say, Ukraine and, and Israel where you've got conflict. Um, and then 
how does technology play a part in that? What does it enable? Not not just in the physical world, but as cyber techniques and and cyber sort of exchanges become more destructive uh, or more far-reaching and more pervasive, what what can that do? Uh, and and where does that open up? Like the globe, so the, the whole world becomes a centre where it can be impacted by something. Um, so I think that, I think that's a little bit something. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it feels like, but I, it sort of bothers me that you're in an industry that you know at least partially is related to that. And obviously, in communications, we see it as one of the first things that get disrupted in Ukraine was internet access, and suddenly, whole swathes of the population are isolated from each other, from the outside world, and it, it's a path back to. I think a darker time where people are more isolated and we are less aware and comfortable with each other. And I think you know, that crosses straight into AI, doesn't it? Who who does know where that goes? It's, I, I don't think it's Skynet extrapolating those two things together. Um, but the, where does that go? I don't know. But I think also the people making statements about what AI is today are, are just wrong. It, it just isn't all the things that they say it is. Every Every company you ever look at now is is it's artificial intelligence. It's like, no, that's just an if-then statement, repeating quickly and lots of them. Come on. So I think we as, te- as in the technology industry are probably alienating ourselves from the general population by trying to appear like we've got something that really they know we don't. It's a bit emperor's new clothes. Um, and it's creating this situation which will polarize society. Because you'll get people who are instinctively afraid of that because it's unknown and it has risks. Um, and and it's, that's just not a good place to be. I think all of us are better if technology can be harnessed to be something which is a force for good and a force for positivity and solving problems rather than building barriers and creating division. Um, so I think yeah, those, th- those sort of three themes together make me feel a bit uncertain about where that goes. And it's it's a shout out to all of us to, and I, I've heard that from a number of our guests, we have to start using our voice more effectively and our knowledge and not mystify things and, yeah. and to come out from that, that magical thinking into this is a tool and let's talk about tools or tools that can be used for good or evil. And, yeah. and the world is filled with a, something that is much more in between good and evil. It is that that gray area. Well, what yeah. what excites you in tech? What gets you up in the morning? You think oh, that's amazing. I think I said it before. I mean, with technology, I, I think you can do everything. Uh, I think anything is possible because you know half the things that we, if you think about even just the path of technology over my lifetime, you know, you go not having a mobile phone, dialing a rotary phone at home. Now you've got two phones on your desk. We're talking through this, and that's in forty odd years. You know. Uh, it's just staggering. Um, And you can think about that in every single level, I think, of technology. We look at, say, what aviation is possible now, vilified as for climate change, but think about the engines that are on those machines now compared to what they were that time ago. So in the real physical world, materials science, fuel technology, understanding has just moved night and day. And then you've got, looking forward, you've got things like, the fusion, fusion situation, so getting more energy out of the reaction in the US, whilst it's like enough to boil a kettle, if you can harness it in like the picosecond that it's there, you know, that's a principle proved and from a principle proved, genuine change can come. So I, I maybe I'm being naive, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I think uh, you know, 
with a background in physics and with seeing how these things have played out historically and the pace of change now, once we marry the imperative and the sort of human will, I don't think there's anything we can't not do. That's terrible English, apologies, but the world is our oyster, as it were. I do think so. And I, and I think to be in tech is at some level to be an optimist. There is that part of us, whether we're taking apart stereos or trying, it is that possibility, the art of possibility that's exciting. Yeah. And then more widely, you know, my audience are always looking for some good tips of what to read, to watch, to listen to. Is there anything that's inspiring you or, or really blowing your mind at the moment? I guess I, I always go, I mean, I, I'm a sort of, it comes as no surprise as a physicist, I, I read a lot of sci-fi because I think it's it's quite nice escapism. It's nicely not connected to any problems in the real world. But it, they're all they're all grounded in the science fact of today. And so I think you, I draw inspiration from that, like I say, that anything's possible. And then when you look around for when you're looking for inspiration sort of closer to home, I used to watch my kids with iPads and you're like, oh my God, I, I am so outclassed by what they can do. Um, and so it's, it's very simple inspiration, but you watch their just ability to logically infer if I do this, this will happen and on you go, be it in gaming or anything else. So it's not it's not a listen to this podcast or read this book. It, it's, you know, just look around for the places. And I'm, I'm fortunate I live on the coast near Newcastle and you run up down here and watch the sunrise in the morning. You sort of can't fail to be inspired by the difference that, that can happen if from Storm Babbitt sort of with waves 20 foot high through to this morning glowing sunshine. You kind of like, it's there all around you if you just sort of take the time to do it. So technology is great, but I think that, that natural world helps me too. I like that. And I, you know, so everybody, when you finish the podcast, turn it off, turn off everything electronic and look around because there is that. There is so much beyond the screen, beyond our earbuds, etc. So Yeah, exactly. And it, it won't solve the problems. It won't give you the answer, but it might give you the mind space to be able to go, I know the answer, actually, and this is what it needs to be. Fantastic. I really like that. That's a great way to finish it. Chris, thanks so much for joining me on this episode of, of X-Tech. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. If you're a tech innovator and would like to appear as a guest on the show, email us now at xtech at fox.agency. And finally, thank you to the team of experts at Fox Agency who make this podcast happen. I'm Debbie Forster, and you've been listening to the X-Tech Podcast. Keep exploring the world of tech. Subscribe to our podcast and never miss an episode. To discover more opportunities for global B2B tech brands, visit fox.agency today.